So we've been in this series, Abba Connection, because before we get into the things we need to get into in the fall, I want us to fall in love with God again. I want us to fall in love with God's word again, to be led by his spirit again. You know, a person can be, become institutionalized. They can become so church that they're of no earthly good. Oh, I'm going to step on some toes right off the bat today. I can feel it. Some people become so church that they're of no earthly good. You know, I always measure a kingdom person by who they lead to Jesus. I measure my staff by how many people they bring into the house and into the kingdom. Oh, it's quiet. That's where... It begins and ends in the kingdom of God because Jesus didn't say go into all the world and be a good, godly, wise church member, did he? What did he say we we're supposed to do, both men and women? The gospel, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. That should be going on in your homes and on your phones, not just on Sunday mornings. And the only way for that to happen in you or through you is the Spirit of God when you cry out, Abba, Father. You have to love the Father so much that you allow the Son to do a work in you and through you. And that's what I believe is happening in the lives of some of you. I'm seeing it in pockets in this place, and I'm so very grateful for it. But I like to do some review during the summer because people take vacations. They come and go. There's a different crowd every week. And so we started off talking about Abba's house, the father's house. I gave a message on the prodigal. And I just want to camp there at the end of that story just for a minute before we get into today's text. Because as I speak with pastors around the country, there, there are two spirits in the church right now. There's a spirit of Abba, and then there's a spirit of the elder brother. And in that story of the prodigal, if you'll remember, the elder brother refused to come in and celebrate what God did in the prodigal. There was a party going on in Abba's house, but the elder brother wanted to look and observe it instead of getting in on it. The elder brother was stuck in the past and couldn't see past his own ambition to celebrate someone coming back to the house. The elder brother was just as lost as the prodigal because he was lost in his opinions and he also lacked intimacy with the father. But he lacked intimacy with the Father in the Father's house. You see, you can be in the Father's house and not love the Father. You can be in the Father's house and not know the Father's will. You can be in the Father's house and be unhappy and not pursuing your purpose. And then the other spirit in the church is an Abba spirit where people are realizing that they're called to make disciples. They're called to be a part of what's going on in the here and now in the kingdom of God. See, what was happening in that parable was God was doing something powerful in the house. He was doing something in the here and now, but the elder brother in the field could not get past what used to be. You see, some of you pretend like you want to change, but you're still comparing everything to 20 years ago. And if you're comparing it to 20 years ago, then you don't really want anything to change. You just want to be right. That's an elder brother religious demonic spirit. And I command it to leave in the name of Jesus. It's not welcome here. This is the Father's house. 
And this is a place that's going to welcome every culture and prodigals, a place that ministers to the world. And there is an elder brother's spirit, but then last week's message, we moved from the father's house to the father's face, and we talked about the revelation of Abba through Jesus Christ. What does Abba look like? What does the father revealed to us look like? Well, it looks like the son. You've seen Jesus, you've met Jesus, you've met the fathers, what Jesus said. So everything you saw Jesus do and everything you heard Jesus preach, that's the father. That spiritual legacy. So when you cry out Abba, you are connecting with the father and the son because of the price Jesus paid on the cross. Today, I want to move from the father's face, the revelation of the father to the father's heart. I want to introduce you today to the heart of God. Who is God? What does he have for you? What are the characteristics of God's heart? What does God say about you? What does God expect from you? What does God believe about you? We're going to get into it today. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Can we stand in reverence for the word of God today? I don't always do that, but I want to begin with the text today. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25, we always quote 633, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We quote that all the time because we believe in the kingdom here. But those verses leading up to that powerful verse, we rarely quote, we rarely read in church, and I want to get these in your spirit today. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. I could just go home right after that. Because the enemy uses worry and brings fear and wants us to overanalyze everything instead of trusting God. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet our heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Somebody say, God's got this. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more, somebody say much more, clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. But here we go. How do we get? What is ours? How do we access the Father's goods and his kingdom and his grace and his power? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of those things will be added to you. What are those things? To be clothed in power, to be clothed in righteousness, to be clothed in the majestic beauty of heaven, to walk in power, to witness, to be an example, to have the right attitude. The kingdom will bring it about. Last verse, and I'll let you sit down. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. 
In other words, don't be afraid of what this world says about you or does to you. They don't have control over your soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy your soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Lord, bless this word today. Minimize me and maximize you. Speak to the people. Lord, may they not observe my gift, but receive this word from you today spiritually in their heart and in their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. The disciples woke up one morning anxious because their leader, their rabbi, their teacher was gone from them. He had slipped away before sunrise and they were worried about where he might be. As the sun came up, they began to look for their leader and hearing him before seeing him, they realized what their leader was doing. He was where he always was. He was in a position of prayer crying out, Abba, Father. They heard him cry out to God as Father. They were astounded at his level of intimacy because they didn't understand God in an intimate way just yet. They begged him after hearing him pray, Lord, teach us to pray. And that led to the model prayer that we've taught you many times, our Father who art in heaven. See, Jews didn't dare utter the name of God. They didn't even want to say our translation, which is Yahweh or Jehovah. They refused to say that. They would substitute Adonai, which means Lord, because they thought the true name of God was so holy that they could not even approach God by calling his name. Now, I'm for awe and reverence and respect. In fact, I think we need more of it in today's church. But an incorrect interpretation of who God is will keep you from the kingdom. And God is not this mean, fire-breathing, angry old white man with white hair down to his knees waiting to throw you in hell. He is the king of all kings. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He loved you so much he gave his very best so that you would have purpose on earth and eternity in heaven. He gave us his son, not only as an example, but as a savior. And we're to follow his example and we're to accept his free gift of grace. Do we have the right to come to God as our father? The answer is a resounding yes. Why? Because of his son. Jesus revealed the father to us and made a way for us to go directly to the father and seek the kingdom and receive peace and healing and power and favor and anointing. When you cry out, Abba, things happen. Amen. Isaiah 9, 6, we learn in one of the few places where God is even referred to as a father that the son will be given and the kingdom government will be on his shoulders. And his name will be called, we've taught you this during the Christmas season, Pele, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. That was the prophecy that would come. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, 17 times in these chapters you hear the word Father or Abba. It speaks to us about the Father's heart. 
Jesus didn't have to preach 30 minutes. He didn't have to preach 45 minutes. He didn't need an organ. He didn't need to huck and buck. He didn't need to jump pews. It took him 18 minutes in a message to change the world. 18 minutes. And some of you don't feel like you've had anything unless you got two hours of falling out, rolling around, screaming. The bass is so loud you can't even move. Your hair's blowing off. Jesus sat there calmly on the mount, taught 18 minutes, never raised his voice and changed the world. So maybe it's not so much about style as spirit. Maybe it's not so much about preference as it is presence. Can I get an amen? I believe God can still change things. I believe his word is still true. If we'll listen, receive, believe, and serve the vision. What were the first words spoken by Jesus in the New Testament? He said, I must be about my father's business. My father's business. The first case of nepotism in the history of the world. My father's business. You see, God wants you to be about his business. He does. He wants you to be about his business. Yes, you may be in business, but what about your business is God's business? What can you do in your business to shine your light for God? How can you use what you do to glorify the kingdom? The Father's heart is available to you. There is hope available to you this morning. There is power available to you. The Spirit wants to use you. But you need to open your heart to the heart of the Father. What, what does a loving God have to say about you? What does a loving God want for you? I want to answer those questions from our text today. As we look at the Father's heart, the first principle I want to release to you is that God, the Father, longs for us to reach our full potential. In other words, if you love God, if you were truly a son or daughter in his kingdom, he predestined a path for you in the book of Romans. Predestination means set forth a path. He has a plan and a path for you. God wants you to not just get in on it, but excel in it. Can I get an amen? It's not enough just to accept Christ's free gift and not pursue the kingdom. Now, the way you pursue it and the way I pursue it might be two different pathways but we're on the same team. You have to do what you're gifted and called to do. That is your responsibility. Whatever God put in you, whatever gifts you have, the Father wants you to use your gifts to bring him glory. Can I get an amen? He wants you to stand up, step up, and stand out. You will never be who God wants you to be if you don't step out in faith. You know, Abraham had to leave, believe, and receive in order for him to be the father of a nation. He had to leave the comfort of his homeland. He had to believe God for a chosen son. Then he had to receive a substitutionary sacrifice, what we call grace, when God asked him to sacrifice his precious son. If you aren't willing to leave the comfort of your own condition, You'll never have everything God has for you. And 
sometimes that means leaving a location. I preached Wednesday on the town of Bethsaida, Chorazin, and Capernaum. These were three cities of unbelief. We visited these cities in Israel. And you can see the ruins now. One of the reasons they didn't make it is because of their unbelief. Read your Bible. Unbelief hinders God's ability to do a miracle. Jesus in that particular passage of scripture where he heals the blind man in Mark, he had to lead the blind man out of Bethsaida. Why? Because they did not believe. You will not receive a miracle if you're hanging around people with no faith. You will not receive your full potential if you're hanging around people who always bring up the negative, who never talk about what God can do, only what they're going to do. Nobody cares what you're going to do. People care about what God can do. And as Christians, we need to talk to people about who God is and what he can do, what his word says, not what we think. The Father longs for us to reach our full potential. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. So it's okay to shine, Christian. Just say that with me, shine. You want an acrostic? I can give you one. So heal, ignite, nurture, and excel. Sow your life as a seed. Pick up your cross and follow him. Heal from within so you can heal others that have inner pain. Ignite a revival fire everywhere you go. Nurture the orphans and the widows and excel in the kingdom through the spirit of God. Our father wants us to reach our full potential. Number two, he rewards us when we obey him. Yes, it's easier to bless your children when they're obedient. Any parents in here? They look at you and cuss you, you know, are you gonna get out the wallet or the pocketbook or the credit card? I'm not. You better at least know how to fake it with me. He, the father rewards us for our obedience. In other words, he's not gonna drop favor, grace, finances on you if you're living in obedience. And I know that's not popular preaching now. Everybody wants to come to church and get, get feel-good messages. And I like feel-good messages. I preach feel-good messages. But everybody wants this religion that, that doesn't cost them anything where they can do what they want. There are no consequences. There's no conviction. There, there's certainly no punishment. But God demands obedience from his true children. He will chasten you, it says in Hebrews. He will correct you. He will discipline you when you're outside of his will. How many of you have ever been corrected by God? How many of you have ever had a spiritual spanking from God? Hallelujah, everybody. Except a few perfect ones, you know. We're okay. We'll pray for you to be honest. <laughs> Obedience is attainable, the scriptures teach us, through love. It's much easier to obey someone you love. Come on, somebody. If, whether it's your father, your mother, your leader, your grandmother, doesn't matter. If you love them and they tell you what to do, they bring correction, it's easier to follow their instruction if you love them. Obedience is attainable through love, agape love, service love, brotherly love, motherly love, all the loves. 
It's attainable through love. Next, obedience is attainable with humility. See, if you've got a spirit of pride on you, whether you're a 12-year-old boy or girl or you're 70 years old, if you've got a spirit of pride on you, then you're not going to obey authority. You're not going to humble yourself and receive a word from God or a word from officials God has placed over you. But it's attainable with humility. Come humbly before the throne of grace. Obedience is attainable with honor. Everybody say honor. You know, honor is such an important word in the kingdom, and I've lived my life this way. I've honored my parents as an adult. More about that next week. I've honored authority figures, pastors, political leaders, some even I didn't agree with. I've always tried to walk in honor. I'm not pretending to be perfect up here. I'm just telling you the nature of my heart. I believe in honor. It's the gateway to provision. It's the gateway to prosperity. When you honor those that have gone before you, God opens up the windows of heaven. When you honor those he's placed above you, you will receive supernatural favor, healing, and blessing. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my wife's career. When you walk in honor, even when you don't feel like it, God protects you and provides for you. It's attainable with honor. Obedience is also attainable with a renewed mind. It says in Romans 12, we're to renew our mind daily. If you have what the Bible calls a reprobate mind, a reprobate mind is a mind turned over to the enemy. And what does that mean? I know that sounds spooky like a horror movie to some of you. That's not really what I mean. I mean, your mind has been in the gutter so long. It could be the gutter of religion. It could be the gutter of sin, the gutter of pornography. It could be the gutter of, you know, advancing in your own agenda, not God's, whatever it may be. You've been in the gutter so long, your mind has been turned over to the enemy. So it's playing tricks on you. And your mind is leading you into demonic territory. It's causing you to sin and trespass against the things of God. That's why it says we're to not only renew our mind, we're to set our mind on things above. Obedience is attainable when you have the right mindset. Number three, what does the Father think about you? What does he say to you? What does he offer you? Number three, he brings peace to your soul. Everybody say shalom. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. In other words, there's something to be said about the secret place and things done in secret with the father. Is everybody with me? So God honors what goes on in private more than he does in public. He rewards you in public but he's rewarding you because he's honoring you for what you've done and prayed and sowed in private. Verse six of Matthew chapter six, but you, everybody say me, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret, again, will reward openly. Fast forward to Matthew six, verse 18, same message, same teaching. So that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret. Here it is again, third time, will reward you openly. The secret place is important. 
Intimacy with the Father is important. Praying, fasting, sowing, working things out with the Father, those times are precious to God. It proves that you don't just work for him, you're not just chained to him, that you love him. And when a child loves their daddy, the daddy wants to serve and do for the child. And we're called to have intimacy with our Abba Father. Can I get an amen? Let me quickly give you some things that you can overcome in the secret place of the Most High. Psalm 91, David understood it. What are some things you can overcome? The first thing, and I deal with this on a regular basis, is what I call your inner orphan. The demonic orphan spirit. People say, well, there, there's no text in the Bible that says orphan spirit. You're right. There are texts in the Bible about demonic spirits and anything outside of God's will, anything from your past that hasn't been dealt with can attach itself to a principality or a power or a demonic spirit. So if I say it like this, childhood trauma leads to adulthood drama. Childhood trauma leads to adulthood drama. So what are some characteristics quickly of an orphan spirit? See, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. Very strange. He says, I will come to you again. I will not leave you orphans. So he knew there would be a people that, that had an identity problem, had a daddy issue. And he spoke before he ascended and said, I'm not gonna leave you like this. I'm not gonna leave you orphans. And there is a orphan spirit. That's why in Galatians 4, 6, when it says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. There's something in all of us that needs a father, that needs a covering, that needs confidence. Can I ask you some questions that I believe will help you? I ask myself these questions almost on a weekly basis. I took our staff through this last year and I think it'll help you. If you have a pen, wave at me, or if you have a phone, you can type on. I don't mean to be Baptist here, but you always should take notes. You really should. You need to get the word and go home and study the word. But I want you to write these questions down. Ask yourself these questions this week in, your, in the secret place when you're praying to God. First question, what am I seeking? What am I seeking? Say it with me. What am I seeking? Now we know what to seek. It was in our text. 633. Second question. Why am I seeking it? Say that. Why am I seeking it? Third question. Where do I get my acceptance from? Say that with me. Where do I get my acceptance from? Four, will it be enough once I get it? Will it be enough once I get it? And finally, this is where the rubber meets the road. Who can I give the gift of acceptance to? Number five, who can I give the gift of acceptance to? See, every child of God struggles with this orphan spirit. 
these questions from the Word of God have helped me defeat it over the last 20 years. It's helped me connect with Abba. It's helped me to remember what I'm called to do and what you're called to do. He brings peace to your soul, overcoming the orphan spirit. Next, overcoming a restless spirit. What is a restless spirit, demonic spirit? It's a person who, because of the enemy, doesn't have the ability to rest. It's an identity issue just like the orphan spirit. People feel like if they work their way to God, he'll love them more. And listen, we're begging for volunteers. I probably should have skipped this one. But do you know that no matter how hard you work, doesn't change the Father's love for you one bit. His love is eternal, it's everlasting. It never fails. It believes all things. Even when you lie, it believes all things. And there are people who can't rest because they haven't dealt with their pain, their sin, their struggle, and they're, they're guilty. And the way they work through their pain is working either in the kingdom or in business or in money and finances. Let me just work, 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 work because it brings me peace. But there's always a feeling that the work didn't get done. And even Jesus believed in a Sabbath day. And everyone needs to rest and celebrate the goodness of God occasionally. Take time with your family. Take times for the things that matter. A restless spirit. Paul would say, chained to a Roman's guard in Philippians, be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. When you overcome demonic spirits, you are conquering your fears. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. That's why we're to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Anxiety is of the enemy. Depression is of the enemy. Being a workaholic is of the enemy. You need to trust the God who created and the God who reigns over your life, your destiny, your church. Trust God and his plan because he has one and it's never failed. Listen, God will turn something on its head in 24 hours if he wants it turned on its head. Matthew 6, 8, he's speaking of the prayer life and the Pharisees. He said, don't be like them. Don't have to be seen by everybody. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Amen? So why do we have to ask him if he already knows? Because he longs for intimacy with his children. No one wants to be used and abused. He wants an authentic relationship with his children. It goes on to say in Matthew 6, we read it to you about the birds of the air and the clothes. Our initial passage of Scripture teaches us, number four, that the Father knows how to meet our needs. Amen? You may not have what you want, but if you cry, Abba, you'll have what you need. 
And if you have what you need, it'll be enough to do what you're supposed to do. If you don't have something you're asking for, ask the Father why. He'll answer. Have you ever asked God why? Oh, I wouldn't dare ask God why. Well, Jesus did. Gideon did. Moses did. Ruth did. Y'all want me to keep going or y'all getting this? It's okay to ask God why. He appreciates the conversation. He appreciates the humility, the intimacy, the authenticity. Number five, our Father hears our prayers. I've asked Ron to bring a chair out here just for a moment. I heard a story about a young lady. Her father had a terminal illness. He was bedridden at her home. She called a local minister, asked the minister to come pray with her dying father. And the minister came to the home and asked Johnny, her father, how are you doing, Johnny? Johnny said, I'm okay. Would you please shut the door? And he shut the door, and the pastor came close, and he said, Pastor, I, I want to talk to you about something. He said, you know, I, I, I've never really known how to pray and I always struggled with talking to God I always felt awkward about it I always felt strange about it but years ago a pastor taught me to put a chair beside me and pray to that chair as if Jesus were sitting there the pastor taught me to, by faith, see Jesus in the chair. And as that man lay there dying, there was a chair sitting opposite of where the preacher was standing. The preacher prayed with him, and the preacher left. A few weeks later, the daughter called the preacher and said, My dad's passed away. The daughter didn't know what they discussed. In fact, the father never told her about this routine because the father was afraid she would think he was mentally ill, talking to a chair. She called the preacher and said, my father's just passed away. The pastor said, did he go in peace? She said, yeah, he went in peace, but there was something strange, preacher. She said, I came into the room and his head and arms were laid on that chair and the minister began to cry because he remembered that conversation listen I could teach you intercession praying on behalf of someone else I could teach you supplication the ask and the expect I could teach you thanksgiving but let me just simplify it some of you need to Pull a chair up into your life for Jesus. Some of you need to invite Jesus to your table, to your bedside, to your business. Some of you need to pull up a chair for Jesus. And you need to, in faith, speak to that chair as if Jesus himself was sitting there. Abba's house, we are not only a house of grace, we're to be a house of prayer as well. And the Bible promises us that when we go into our room and we go into the secret place and we cry out to our Father that he'll answer us. And I want to challenge this church today to be a place of prayer. 
intercession, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, not just in small groups, at home in your car, in the secret place. Your secret place may be by the lake. Mine's in an office. I don't know. Yours might be in the shower. I don't know. Find you a place where you can talk to God, where you can cry out, Abba, through the saving grace of Jesus, and it will change your life. Number six, our Father forgives our sins, gives us the ability to forgive people that have hurt us. Listen, I wish some of you could do this work for about a year. You'll learn to forgive quickly and heal quickly. Our Father forgives our sins. If you have sin in your life today, if you cry out, Abba, through Jesus, he'll forgive you. He'll save you. He'll give you a new start. That's the heart of the Father, to restore and redeem you. Number seven, our Father gives us an eternal inheritance. When we seek first his kingdom, we have access to the king's goods, to wealth and resources and ideas, patterns, patents, potential. We have access to the king's wisdom and the king's wealth. Can I get an amen, somebody? And it comes by way of the Holy Spirit. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those he loves? I land this plane right here. Our father opens heaven for us says in Matthew chapter 7, one chapter later, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You have an inheritance waiting on you. Don't be like the prodigal and squander it on worldly living. Stay in covenant with daddy and watch what God will do. I challenge you this month to reconnect with Abba, to cry out, Abba, Father. You know, Jesus cried out, Abba, in his agony in Gethsemane and at the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. He cried out, Abba, in submission when he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus cried out, Abba. We can cry out, Abba. Jesus cried out with a promise to Abba. Behold, I send the promise of Abba to you, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So the Spirit has come to give you power for the work. And we get to cry out, Abba, Father, for the Holy Spirit. And that is, according to Ephesians, the down payment of our inheritance. Why would you reject the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit when it is part of your inheritance? God has promised you power and purpose and pain, but you'll never be defined by the pain if you know your purpose. The power of the Spirit will carry you from glory to glory, from mountaintop to mountaintop. His love will carry you when you can't carry yourself, and his purpose will be revealed to you as you seek the face of Abba. And you open your heart 
to Abba's heart. That's what I want to challenge you to do this morning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Somebody shout Abba. Abba. Somebody shout Abba like you need him. I prophetically speak into the atmosphere, fear not, Abba's house. You have a father, you have a family, you've been forgiven, and you have a future. You are not defined by the past, you are not defined by the stupid things people say or do. You have a purpose. You are blessed, you are redeemed and restored. Abba is promising to make his people and his children shine. The Father knows your secrets, he knows your struggles. He knows what you need to do the work he's called you to. He hears your cries. He knows your pain. He's forgiven you if you've asked him, and he longs to give you good things. So as we begin to worship, I want you to receive the love of the Father today. Just just open your hands up sitting down. You don't have to stand up. Just open your hands up. I know it's strange for some of you. If you weren't raised in Pentecostalism, it's strange, but open your hands up and just just say, Father, I receive your love. Father, I receive your forgiveness. I receive my inheritance. I receive your spirit and all the gifts that you have for me. I love you, Abba. Hallelujah. Just love on him right where you are. Just take a minute and love on him. Yes. I'm going to ask our pastors to make their way down as you're loving on him, as you're loving on Jesus, you're receiving the Father's love. Listen, I felt the Holy Ghost on the story about prayer. If you need to come down and just pray today and have intimacy, you can do that. If you want to make an altar out of your seat, you can do that. But some of you, it's been far too long since you pulled up a chair for Jesus. You know the Lord, you're saved, you know the Bible, some of you. But you haven't pulled up a chair for Jesus in a long time to really seek his face and seek his heart. And whether it's today or the weeks ahead, it's my prayer that this wouldn't be just another message that you judge on the way home. That this would be a download from Abba that stays in your heart and in your spirit and causes you to do something with it. And I think some of you need to return to a life of prayer and devotion. Revival will come, but it starts with you. It starts with you. For some of you, you're watching, You've never been to church. You don't, have, you don't understand religion. But in this message, you realize you need the love of a father and you can have it through Jesus Christ. We call that needing to be saved. If you're listening and you're lost, if you died today, you're not sure where you'd spend eternity. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I receive your daddy through your grace. I receive your daddy through your grace. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you need to confess that in front of men. That's why we have these altar calls so that you can come and say, I've prayed to receive Christ. I'm not ashamed. For some of you, 
you need a change of mind, which we talked about. You're saved, but your mind has been plagued with the things of this world. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's listening to the wrong things. Maybe it's that you just have an opinion about everything and you need to be on your knees with your mouth closed. Pray. If that brings conviction to your life, maybe you need to come to one of these pastors and say, you know, I've done too much talking in this season and not enough listening to the Father. And I repent. And I want you to pray with me a prayer of repentance so that I can connect again with Abba. I think there are a number of things going on today. I want you to know you have freedom in the spirit to come to do what you need to do. Would you stand on your feet? Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word today and your wonderful anointing and your power and your glory. Lord, thank you for the winds of change and the winds of the spirit. Lord, I ask you now to move in this place. Move on your people. Lord, you know I've never wanted to pastor a religious church. You didn't call me to that. So, Lord, either you shift it and change it. You shift it, Lord. Or you do what has to be done for it to be the kingdom place you've called it to be. And I am not in your way, Father. Blow the doors off if you have to. This is your house. I submit to you. May the Spirit have its way in this place and in this community. For thine is your kingdom, your power, and your glory forever and ever. Amen. You may come if you need ministry, if you need prayer. Don't miss this moment of worship to come and cry out, Abba.